Hello, my badass fire starters. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and this show is all about achieving the sacred pleasure of your highest potential through spirituality, self-empowerment, entrepreneurship, and magic. It's time to unabashedly blaze your own path by turning up the volume on your total authenticity. I'm an outlaw life and success coach for rebel boss witches and modern mystics, and I'm so excited to have you join me. Thank you for listening. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast episode. It's Caitlin here, and I'm hopping on a day early to give you your Friday episode today on a Thursday because, of course, today is Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Samhain. Happy Dia de los Muertos, which is tomorrow and the day after here in Mexico. And, you know, I wanted to really wrap up our sort of spooky, shadowy themes of month of episodes with, I want to wrap it up properly. And so I felt like I had to hop on a little early and bring you this amazing episode. Today I'm interviewing Valeria the Mexican Witch, and we're talking about her Santa Morte practice. And Santa Morte is actually um, uh, celebrated here. I was looking for the word. I was like, revered that that's not really I don't think the right word celebrated here in Mexico on November 1st and so I thought it would be timely we're gonna be talking about her practice with Santa Muerte her other practices as a bruja we're gonna be talking about ending body shame and spirituality and so much more good stuff this is an as always an unfiltered fun conversation we go into all sorts of topics Valeria is not afraid to speak her mind and I absolutely love her for it and I, and I know you're going to be obsessed with this episode as much as I was, or still continue to be, but as much as I was as it was happening, I suppose. So before I hop into the interview, I want to make a quick announcement, a very exciting quick announcement, which is we are in the middle of the 24-hour pre-sale of my Army of Venus bootcamp. I have relaunched my classic two-week digital program into a live 14-day digital intensive. So in 14 days, you'll be living the sacred pleasure of your highest potential. We start the course on November 15th and the pre-sale is on. You can get 50% off the course until midnight tonight. Yes, that's tonight, midnight on Halloween, December 3rd. No, not December 31st, October 31st. (laughs) Wouldn't it be cool if Halloween was like three months or two months and it went until December 31st, that would be lit. Anyway, check it out. You can go to rebirthofvenus.com slash live bootcamp or click the link in my bio. The Army Venus Bootcamp, it's a two-week digital program and it's designed to whip your mindset into shape so that you can finally fully embody the badass you are. Through the program, you will eliminate negativity, disempowering beliefs, and step into the sacred pleasure of your highest potential. Think the energy of pleasure without guilt, of success on your own terms, because fuck societal expectations that bore you to tears. Am I right? Total abundance, supreme self-love. This is the work of Venus, and it's a daily program. It's a 14-day intensive, and essentially how it works, we have a live accountability group online. It's on Facebook. And each morning you're going to receive what I call your morning reading. It's a short essay that's actionable and really designed to give you a focus for the day. A new technique to try to empower yourself, to release mindsets that don't serve you, and to really kind of, it's almost like a, it it almost like gets your mind cleansed, your soul cleansed before the new year. So each morning you'll receive that essay in the group and then that afternoon, each day for 14 days, I'm going live in the group for a 30 minute live class that's going to go deeper into the content and really allow you to focus more on changes that you can make easily, quickly, and that really, really run deep, that really allow you to, you know, instead of waiting until January to make a change, it allows you to go into this busy season with a mindset made of steel. I mean, these are techniques that are going to help you a shitload if you're going, you know, with family for the holidays or being around people who maybe don't get your vibe and who, 
you feel like you sink into negativity with, I'm going to be teaching you all my tricks that allow me to, you know, achieve on a higher level and do so with pleasure. My work with Venus has showed me that what I call sacred pleasure and achieving more through your highest potential, they aren't separate. In fact, they're inextricably linked. And I'm going to show you in this 14-day intensive everything I know about how to get there. So like I said, it's a 14-day experience. It's held completely online. And there are two parts every day. You're going to have your reading in the morning and the class in the afternoon. Everything's recorded and available in the group indefinitely. So don't worry if you're like, oh my God, I'm not sure if I can make every single day. It's designed to be fit into your life. You can work through the content at your own pace. So like I said, click the link in the show notes or head to rebirthofvenus.com slash livebootcamp. So like I said as well, tonight is the end of the presale. So I'm just doing a quick 24-hour presale before the price goes up. So today you can get in for only $74 for the two-week program and that's for pay in full. You can also pay in five payments of $34 biweekly. Now, like I said, tonight at midnight, the price is going up to $144 for the pay in full and $44 for the biweekly payment plan. So get in now, jump in, be an early adopter, jump in fast, and save money. And on top of that, I'm giving away one private coaching session with me. It's a one hour video session with me to one person chosen randomly who signs up during the presale. So I love my presale babes. And what's like the male version of a babe? I, when I say babes, I mean like people of all gender persuasions, but sometimes I realize it makes it sound like I'm just talking about the ladies. In fact, I often have non-ladies in my course, my courses. Um, anyway, so I'm picking one person who signs up during the presale to get a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. It's going to be a random drawing. So that's another bonus. Be an early adopter, get in fast. I'd love rewarding people who say yes quickly to themselves and you'll have an opportunity to win a coursing, a, a coaching session with me as well. So hop on it. Like I said, you have until midnight tonight and enjoy your day. Happy Halloween and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and I'm here today with Valeria Ruedas of The Mexican Witch. If you follow her on Instagram, you know Valeria as The Mexican Witch. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today to talk about spirituality, to talk about her practice with Santa Muerte. And don't worry if you have no idea who that is. We're going to go into that deep in this episode. And also we're going to be talking about issues around body shame and ending that body shame in modern and traditional spirituality. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Valeria, for being on the show today. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. I am so excited to be here and sharing space with you and to discuss Mexican magic and depth and really just have a good conversation about uh, you know, Santa Muerte and the witchy community. I've, I've actually done a little bit of research to really give you guys a full picture of where I think Santa Muerte comes from and to really get in depth with, you know, the origin of where she comes from, the history, and then to discuss her in a modern lens, which is kind of the way I practice with her. And so I'm excited to just kind of discuss the modernity and the, you know, different types of practices that exist for her. I am actually, you know, really working on becoming a priestess for her. And part of my intention with that is to uh, preach an agenda of Santa Muerte that is very inclusive and purposefully uh, defends queer and trans people, because that is one of the first things that is really, really important to know about her, that she is a protector of the marginalized and especially of people whom have historically been shamed out of Catholicism and out of greater society. Amazing. I am so excited to have this conversation. I, as you know, everyone listening, or may, some of you may know, if you are new to the show, you might not know this. I live in Mexico City and I 
was aware before living here, I've lived here about two years, I was aware of the practice of Santa Muerte. I was rather aware of the figure of Santa Muerte. And those of you who are listening, you may have seen a figure of a, of a saint, sometimes dressed like a skeleton, or sometimes a skeleton dressed like a bride. And you may have seen this image and have, and not really know what it meant or who it was. And I'm really excited to be educated along with you with Valeria today about this practice and how it relates to other spiritual practices around witchcraft, around um, social justice issues, like Valeria mentioned just a few seconds ago. And I knew that you were the best person to bring on the show to talk about this because you are so outspoken and strong in your both your social and political and spiritual beliefs online and really an amazing figure for practicing a type of magic that, like you said, really embraces marginalized um, individuals and empowers people to be exactly who they want to be and not something that they don't. So to get started, Valeria, tell us about your background. Uh, tell us about your spiritual journey. And you can take this in whatever direction you like. You can share us about share with us about your cultural background, about your the background of your life, and how all of that has related to bring you onto a spiritual journey when you got into spirituality, what that looked like for you, whatever you're comfortable sharing, we'd love to hear about how you stepped into your spiritual maturity with us today. Oh, I'm so excited. I love talking about this because I have a very interesting spiritual life when it comes specifically to my witchcraft and my brujería practice. So in Mexico, in Mexico, uh, a lot of families hide these gifts, you know, especially if you have been, you know, sort of in a Catholic uh, town or a Catholic place for a while. And so I was born into a family where my great grandmother was deeply involved in mysticism. She was similar to me, very, very into astrology. And she also did um, the healing art known as curanderismo in Mexico. After that, you know, my mother took on the gift, but she did not do any serious practices with it. And I grew up in the house watching her do a lot of herbal healing and what we call, you know, um, uh, you know, what would we say modern massage techniques that get rid of diseases. That's what the curanderos do. So my mom did that. And I never really caught on to the fact that there was, you know, a magical side to that. I thought it was just, you know, at the time when I was a kid, it was, it was just something ordinary to me. And it wasn't really until I got into, into college that I realized that I had been seeing spirits for a while and that my life had been filled with kind of these interesting circumstances. So for example, when I was younger, I saw the Virgen of Guadalupe, who is also a Mexican saint. And that was my first, you know, what I would call ghost or spirit that I ever saw. And that was a cool entrance into the world that, you know, I didn't quite know was a spiritual apparition until I became a witch because I realized that it was. And, you know, I, in college, I was exploring a lot of what we call Chicano or Chicanex. You know, Chicanex is spelled with an X and then it ends with an X to be gender inclusive. Um, this is, you know, what uh, basically Mexican-Americans would be practicing in the United States. And a lot of the Chicano literature that I was reading talked about brujas and talked about the Aztec spirits and some of the other very beautiful things that are common in the, in the Mexican uh, culture. And that drove me to just go incredibly, incredibly deep into, you know, what it meant to have gods and goddesses and communication with spirits and ghosts. Uh, you know, fast forward a couple years, I bought a tarot deck and then that brought me into what I describe now as my magical purpose, you know, which is to read the cards and help people heal and help people really connect to divinity through them. And so that's a very short story, but pretty much I've been uh, around mysticism my entire life. And then as I got older, I realized that 
you know, witchcraft in the way that a lot of women are practicing it now, um, you know, in a very almost eclectic way, that became what really, really fueled me. And that's how I kind of describe myself now. It's so interesting because I really hear that theme echoed in a lot of people's journeys, at least for those of us who sort of have felt like we're lifelong witches or, you know, like we had a spiritual connection from a young age. There's this theme of, you know, having these experiences when you're young, I certainly had the same thing that you didn't really think about and you just maybe took them for granted or maybe they they were things you were afraid of if you really did have a, a sort of a scarier introduction to you know, the unknown, the unknown realms. And then, you know, as we get older, when we develop sort of a language around what we've experienced, we realize how connected we've been our entire lives. So it's really interesting to hear that echoed in your story. That's fascinating. So, you know, that's why I'm excited that I am one of the witches that actually has a very a very different opinion on popular witchcraft than what I hear most people talk about. So a lot of people talk about how witchcraft is kind of getting washed out and that the spirit is disappearing because people are getting it from the masses and from, you know, from the media, you know, they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily know where they're learning from. They're not getting teachers. And while I think that it's very important to gain witchcraft traditions and brujería and spiritual practices from the sources, I do think that it's very powerful that people are able to develop their own sort of magic and their own sort of approach to things and spirituality through the lens of being a witch, because that to me means, uh, it means being independent. It means, you know, wanting to support yourself and also breaking the norms of society. And it's very empowering. So that's what I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of how I'm going to even say most women I know are practicing. I, I don't even know if I have any friends in New Orleans, because that's where I live right now, that do not practice witchcraft. I agree. I actually think it's, you know, because I discovered witchcraft as an entity in the 90s, like many of us did, <laughs> thanks to a little movie you may have heard of called The Craft. And obviously that movie is a work of fiction and completely ridiculous in many ways. However, I remember around that time there being, you know, kind of the, the beginning of what we see so prevalent now, which is, you know, I remember in novelty stores seeing tarot cards and like fortune telling kits and like things that are just novelties however because I was you know drawn to this practice and I educated myself as much as I could at the time through reading books and things like that it was really these kind of pop culture introductions to a largely fictionalized version of witchcraft that actually made me realize that there was more to this and that this was an area that I and many other you know older millennial witches, we'll say, had, you know, it, it was our first introduction to the fact that this even existed. And while, yes, there's definitely, like you said, something that can be a negativity around, you know, the source, the reality is everybody has to start somewhere and not everybody has people in their, in their you know, immediate lineage who necessarily are practicing or practicing, like you said, openly. Yes. And so I'm really glad that you mentioned the craft, because I think that there's, even though people, uh, you know, everyone wants to tell you what witchcraft is supposed to be like, I think that's one of the most educational movies when it comes to actually seeing how people do witchcraft. Um, they just recast the movie, actually, for a remake with a very stellar cast. You know, I'm excited. They cast two women of color, and it's it's probably going to be really amazing. What do you think about have you have you seen the cast list at all? Have you looked at it? I mean, I'm excited about it because haters gonna hate on the craft, but I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I don't like at the end how they all um, hate each other. That was kind of a bummer. Like I would like to see some more girl power, but you know, right. <laughs> it was a drama after all. <laughs> but I'm excited for it. Well, I was actually gonna say I was I read an article that says that supposedly they're planning to do a Santa Muerte scene in the movie because one of the actresses is Latina. And I, I don't know if she's Mexican, I need to double check, but she lives in Los Angeles. And basically, 
um, it to me, this is a really big deal because this means that they're they're going to incorporate this thing that's actually real um, into a movie that is going to be very, very big in the mainstream. And I'm really excited just to see if they can portray her authentically and in the way that I know I really love her because it's really important to talk about, you know, stereotypes and what she isn't. So uh, if you were trying to segue into Santa Muerte, uh, is that what you were trying to do? Yeah, so this is such a perfect segue now. <laughs> well, this is what you do when two psychic people get on a, a podcast. You read each other's mind. So good. And then you end, up, you end up just having a podcast that flows smoothly because we just know what's coming. So um, basically, one of the most common misconceptions about Santa Muerte is the fact that she's associated with, with drug lords. So that is one of the things that is very important for people to stop thinking about her. And it's also one of the things that you have to immediately try to get past uh, when you're researching her. Because if you go on a Google search, you know, you're really going to find a couple of things that, you know, don't shine the best light on her. And you're also going to run into, if you're in any other spiritual communities, especially ones that practice a little more conservative, you know, Catholicism or something like that, people are going to tell you that she's evil. So as, a, as an aspiring priestess of Santa Muerte, I always like to tell people, there is not one thing that is evil about her because she is about balance. She is a balancer. She is the saint for everyone. She loves every person in the world, including people who are drug lords, including people who are criminals. And she actually has a really big, big population of people that are devoted to her that are in jail. Because in jail, this is a spirituality that travels and that exists there because it feels good because Santa Muerte is protective. That is such a powerful point. And I, and I know that even here in Mexico, that a lot of people do have that misperception because, you know, the reality is there are many different types of people who worship any deity or any saint, you know, and it's, and I mean, even in the mainstream religion, of course, <laughs> if, for example, we're looking at Catholicism or Christian or any other sect of Christianity, there are all types of people who, you know, worship various entities. And it's really important, I think, what you said to start to unpack that the stereotypes, but also what I think you touch on something extremely important, which is that many people from many areas of the spiritual world and many different practices have this sense of, of ethics or right and wrong, the sense of morality that actually is really a human construction. And this I see definitely occurring in a lot of the fear mongering that exists in the world of tradition of modern witchcraft, you know, of people really over um, kind of obsessing on like, are they, you know, what type of magic is this? Is this like good or evil? And the reality is that everything in life exists in a balance. And it's interesting to hear how the practice of Santa Morte devotional is a reflection of that. Yes. And so I have one question for you that's kind of fun. And then we can get a little bit into, you know, I think a conversation about why, you know, what, why she might be perceived as, you know, quote unquote, dark in some ways. So my question is like, you know, uh, in the witch community, some people like to refer to themselves as, okay, I practice with a left hand path or a right hand path, or, you know, as a, as a defining factor, is this something you use to describe yourself? Does it matter to you? I know that I have a very specific way of talking about this particular thing in the witch community. Ooh, such a good question. And one that I am really passionate about. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yay, yay. Perfect. So whenever people come to me and they want to start learning about witchcraft, I always start the conversation with a discussion on the concepts, the so-called concepts of white and black magic and how, well, I definitely go into the racist undertones associated with that, which I've touched on in this podcast before, but I won't go too deeply into that now. But really my belief that 
like everything in life, there are consequences we like and consequences we don't. And that our perceptions of what is good and bad, right and wrong, good and evil, are simply based on our own upbringing, on the society at large, and on a very human belief around you know, this idea that actually I think comes from Christianity, that if you're good, you'll go to heaven. And if you're bad, you'll go to hell. But I do believe, and I, and I, this is my absolute experience that in the actual spiritual world, that dichotomy does not exist. And so I will certainly, I really don't ever discourage practicing any certain type of magic because I believe that your intention is the most powerful thing. And that there are absolutely times in life when, you know, a lot of people who are who are not afraid to practice protective magic, but would never curse someone. They don't understand that it's really the same energy. That you know, there are times in life when the level of protection needed requires you to you know practice something that some people may consider darker magic. And I think it's interesting how so many magical traditions of marginalized groups and marginalized communities have much less of this sense of like, you know, this sort of false dichotomy between what's good and what's bad. And it's more of, you know, do what you need to do and recognize that everything comes with consequences. And so it's important to view that in a variety of ways. And there's certainly a more constructive way we can practice our magic and a more destructive way. And what the time calls for is really ultimately up for you, up to you. So I don't know if that answers your question or goes way deeper in it, but that's my perspective. Oh, it went exactly where it needed to go because that was so enlightening to me. I love to hear from people and what they think. And I think that both you and I have a very similar opinion on the matter. And, you know, something that came to me while you were talking is that every single one of my brujeria teachers, no matter whether or not they're older or on the younger side, we have all practiced uh, what people would say, light and dark magic. And so even though there are people who choose only one, in typical Santa Muerte and Brujeria practices, for the people who are very serious about her and you know are performing miracles and doing spell work with her that is really groundbreaking, a lot of those people share the same opinion, which is that and one of the many appealing things about Santa Muerte is that she allows for you to have a free spirituality. So she allows for you to have what we would call, you know, shadow, what we would call, uh, you know, I guess a little bit of a perceived evil side. And she validates that. So I want all the listeners and people who hear this to know that that is something that's true about her and that, you know, she is, another, another thing you'll notice as you read about her, this is a little less common in kind of the American books written about her, but in the Mexican Bibles that have been written by practitioners who live in Mexico, those Bibles are still very much folk Catholicism. They pretty much still have prayers to Jesus and, and Mary that are involved in the worship of Santa Muerte. Now, I practice that type of Santa Muerte magic because that is a great part of how you worship her. It is a part of the tradition. But I mentioned in the beginning, I am an alternative and modern and queer practitioner of her art. And so because of that, I end up kind of really taking a lot of what would be Catholicism or Jesus or you know penance or heaven or hell I end up taking a lot of that out of my practices so as to make this very focused on an empowerment lens and on a racial justice lens, which I think is really necessary in the spiritual world. And that is one of the things I really like about her. Oh, I so many things came up in my mind as you were saying that. And I'm like, really resisting the urge to ask like all these extra questions. But <laughs> it's interesting, <laughs> because you know, do you do you feel like do you feel like people like many practicing witches obsession with like which side of this invisible artificial line they're on you know this obsession with like oh I'm a good witch do you feel like in some ways that's really um 
a deliberate attempt to sort of wash our hands of the reality that we are very powerful. And I believe we're all powerful and that we practice magic and spell work in everything we do, whether or not we identify as witches, you know, our, our words are spells, our actions are spells. And the reality is the effects aren't always what we like. And I see people really afraid to embrace the so-called shadows or darkness as a deliberate attempt to really eliminate those parts of them from themselves. And of course, as we know, whatever is pushed into the shadow comes out in the form of, you know, self-sabotage and, you know, it comes out in these really negative ways because it isn't conscious. What's your perspective on what happens, the, you know, the negative things that happen when we refuse to admit that we are powerful and that we can create change in the world that doesn't always look like exactly what we wanted? Yes. So I guess I will just say that, you know, very briefly that I discourage every being from quote unquote, focusing on just one aspect of themselves, because what they're doing is a disservice to themselves. And so if you're doing this craft, or even if you're just in the spiritual world, the best of spiritual practitioners, you know, and I'm talking some of the most respected people who have been in this spirituality business for decades. I think most of them would agree that in order to be your true self, the shadow work is necessary. And the, the repression of said powers or said side, you know, it can be negative. And so that's mostly what I'll say. I don't like I also, I really struggle with this because I know that, you know, a lot of people always tell me, oh, okay, well, there's, you know, there's already a lot of hate in this world. And, you know, why would you focus on the shadow and all of this? Well, in my opinion, what I really think about this is that, you know, what we're doing is balancing. Again, with the, with the theme of balance with Santa Muerte, when we do this work where we let ourselves just be free, it's not just about light or dark. It's about freedom and it's about like total, uh, you know, equality, total uh, truth to self. And I, and that's really where I'll leave it because I, I like to give people this advice so that they can live more authentically to themselves. Cause even if a person has like, you know, let's say hypothetically, you're only like 15% shadow, and you don't want to shine that 15%. Well, that little bit of shadow is going to be, it's going to be harmful, even if you don't have a lot of it, if you repress it. So, you know, I, I want to advocate on behalf of just saying, you know, don't say you're 100% one thing when that's actually impossible. I agree with you completely. So let's back up a little bit because some people listening may have still have not really a clear sense of who Santa Muerte is. So I would love if you would share with us who Santa Muerte is, maybe a bit about the history behind the practice of Santa Muerte devotional and how you developed a relationship with Santa Muerte and what that looks like in your life now. Of course. So, of course, her origins are mostly talked about in terms of her coming from Mexico. So I want to mark a distinction that nowadays, because the spiritual community is so big, is important. So when I talk about Santa Muerte, what I'm giving you expertise on is what I've read about, what I've learned from teachers, and what I can speak to from a Mexican perspective. She is worshipped in other countries, including El Salvador, and a couple of the Central American countries that are very close to Mexico. And so when she basically started to come about as a more quote unquote modern practice uh, in this uh, place called Tepito. So Tepito's in Mexico. And there was this lady who basically put up a public shrine to her. And supposedly Tepito was one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Mexico. This lady's name is Enriqueta Romero. And so she started to bring her to the public and people started to get curious. After the curiosity, of course, what happens is that she starts performing miracles and then people start to talk about it. And because Mexico is still so superstitious and people believe so much in the saints, they really started to come to Santa Muerte and build a bigger, bigger worshiping community. 
because she started to show the miraculous powers. So that's a little bit about where she kind of started to develop and then travel from there. So from Tepito, you know, arguably she went into places like Mexico City. And she also has an origin in the more, I would call, older roots of brujería. So in many of the visions I've had recently since connecting to her spirit while I was doing ayahuasca, she did show me that the brujos that work in caves, these are very specific brujos that kind of are trained in both shamanism and brujería, and they combine a lot of this working to make a very specific type of Mexican witchcraft. Um, in this practice, the priestesses and the priests who go by the name Bruja and Brujo, they have been working with the skeletal presence, a skeletal saint like Santa Muerte for probably longer than what has emerged in modern day Mexico. And so that is really where I would point to her origin story. And if you really, really want to go way back, the Brujos and Brujas who practice in the caves, they're descended directly from indigenous folks of Mexico who used to worship uh, a saint, uh, not a saint, a, uh, a goddess of death. And death was sacred to everybody. So overall, you know, when you think of Santa Muerte, it's very useful to just think about the fact that Mexicans in general, ancient Mexicans and modern day Mexicans have always really been friends with death and have always celebrated. This is very evident in the way that like when people die in Mexico, we get them mariachis and we drink tequila with them. And then we also, you know, for Dia de los Muertos, we set up ofrendas, we put out bread, we put out pictures. There's a lot, a lot of celebration when it comes to death. And so she is basically just, in my opinion, you know, because she is this miraculous saint and because she she's meant to be this big in the world and recognized because she's bringing this, you know, acceptance of death and this beauty, this beauty of Mexican culture to the world. And she's open to everybody. So I'll repeat that over and over. You know, the best way to work with Santa Muerte is to work through a trained priest or priestess, brujo or bruja, such as myself, and then to really develop a personal relationship to her yourself. Because this saint, she will love you in a specific way to you. She won't love you. She doesn't love everybody the same. Everybody has different relationships. And she is a builder and she's a guide. She is a true guide. She does not leave you alone. She makes you. I am getting so excited talking about this because I am not lying to y'all. She makes you feel like you have an angel with you. She walks with you. She makes energy a little heavier around you and definitely more spiritual and definitely more ghosty. You know, I would say she invites ghosts into the room and the dead. But if you can handle that energy and you're prepared to feel a very strong, feminine and masculine and godly presence in front of you, that is who she is. And I am very thankful that I walk with her, that I worship her, and that I have been working with her for so long because I feel like my work is a direct extension of her. And when I heal people, I am fortunate and lucky enough to be from a line of brujas and brujos that has had this power, that has known this power for more than, I would even say more than a thousand years. And so this is very old practice that is coming into the modern day. But that's exactly what it is. It is, it's a practice that can make us feel empowered, anybody. And it, it is also a practice that helps us with, you know, gaining power in the world, which is, which has been denied to us historically, if we're marginalized. And so that's why she has a big um, community of followers that are uh, transgender that are a part of the LGBTQ plus community and that are uh, people of color. And also just, you know, most of her devotees, I would say, uh, are women. But she does really reach into the souls of just about anybody. And, and that's what I really like about her. Amazing. Thank you for that. And I think it, it what's so fascinating about this story 
that you've woven for us <laughs> is that it really shows how spirituality is so multifaceted and how different traditions do come together to create, um, not that to create, but to allow an, a, a spiritual tradition to evolve and to evolve with the times. And we're going to, in just a minute, get into you know how you sort of modernize some of these practices for yourself. But I'm curious how your practice with Santa Muerte relates to your practices as a witch, even those, I know you said that many are connected, but maybe even those practices that are otherwise divergent from the more traditional practices of Santa Muerte. Oh, this is a great question. So for example, some of the stuff that makes my work with Santa Muerte more powerful is I tend to combine a lot of uh, kind of energy raising rituals and some of the, I would call more uh, traditional witchcraft stuff into her practice. So for example, if I do a ritual with her, I do do the Kabbalistic cross before I go into doing, um, you know, before I go into doing any ritual with her, because this connects me to the heavens and this eliminates negative energies and entities from around me. You know, and I also really like to do the uh, the lesser and the greater banishing rituals of the uh, pentagram. And so these are all things that uh, work well with her and that I believe really accentuate and make my practice bigger. And I have other spiritual guides. And so, you know, I really think that on some other sides of my witchcraft, for example, I have explored the Egyptian tradition, you know, as respectfully as possible. I don't consider myself an expert. And I definitely don't. I'm not at a level where I would even call myself a, a you know, a practitioner of Egyptian magic. But I am very fascinated by the god Thoth, T-H-O-T-H, -H, um, who has, you know, other names, uh, also known as uh, Hermes or Hermes. And because of that, you know, I think my practice, it does allow a lot of openness. And, you know, I think that that's important for people to know as well, you know, um, to be careful with what other spirits you work with around her. But there is definitely places where you can mix other types of magic. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is that what I can describe my magic as is I really really identify with chaos magic and so you know that that was one of the first ways that I really started to dive deep into my magic was by studying chaos um and I believe Santa Muerte to really work with this type of magic because like I said practicing with her is in some way structured but also should be open to just how you're working and feeling with her Yes, it's, you know, you brought up such good points about how, you know, especially in the age of so-called eclectic witchcraft, and where there is a lot of mixing, there's definitely a way to do it correctly, even though I kind of shy away from using that word correctly. <laughs> mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know, definitely, there are ways that, you know, a lot of these different practices that you mentioned, they have reflections in many different traditions. And when you recognize the the purpose behind certain practices, then it's a lot easier to use them together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I really think, you know, we touched on it briefly, but I've spoken a lot about cultural appropriation on my page. And so I always like to tell people, you know, I'm consistently evolving with the way I talk about that stuff and also with the way I, I think about things. And so, you know, I am really drawn to some of the European paths of magic and, and I'm working kind of on, you know, my, like just how I feel about my role being a non, you know, a quote unquote non-European person, even though technically, I mean, technically I'm a Spaniard, you know, partially Spaniard. And so it, it's just all very interesting to me because I think, there's just so much cool mysticism and, you know, and, and it just keeps growing and people keep practicing. And I'm just excited to see how things develop and to see how my practice develops and how I, you know, mold and change as the world around me changes as well. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, we talked a lot about cultural appropriation a couple episodes ago. I interviewed um, 
Megan Alexandria from Revolutionary Mystic. And actually, I mentioned you because I remember a few things you've written about particularly cultural appropriation in Santa Muerte practice. And I, I remember one thing you said that was really important, I thought, which is that it, you, anyone has the freedom to practice anything spiritual. However, there's a difference between personal practice and taking up space in the education of others behind that practice or, you know, just sharing information about that practice, taking up space as a non-Mexican in this case. And I would love to hear you elaborate a bit more on that, on where, I don't want to say where the line is, but where it's important to recognize that while you may choose to practice, you know, in my case, for example, I'm not Mexican. So if I chose to practice with Santa Muerte, you know, there's a difference between practicing on a personal level and, you know, becoming an educator on the topic or writing a book on the topic. What would you like to share with us today about how we can be respectful of the traditions of other cultures while also honoring what we believe to be true spiritually? Oh my goodness. I just love you for saying this. And in general, just your view on this is so refreshing to me because I really like when people who are not Mexican, you know, are willing to really let Mexicans and people of color lead in their own cultural practices. And so that's what it's about. It's about leadership. It's about money. And it's about the redistribution of, of power and wealth within this community. Because to be frank with you, the spiritual uh, industry, the metaphysical industry is controlled by rich white people. And that's sad because, you know, this is the only place, in my opinion, the only type of market in which practitioners like myself as a brown person, as a Latina, as a uh, Chicana, you know, Mexican-American, this is where I can change that playing field because I can say, oh, well, this is, this is my place. This is where you can't tell me what to do because it's my culture. And it's sad to me that there are people out there, white people out there, particularly white men and women, who are really saying, okay, let me take this practice, write about it. They're getting royalties off those books. They're getting royalties off those tarot decks. And the thing is that, you know, are they giving that back to the poor people of Mexico? No. Are they uh, connected to a particular Mexican practitioner? You know, perhaps they are, but most of them are not. Most of them are learning from other sources. And increasingly what I see is that a lot of the practitioners, especially in New Orleans, what happens is that they'll start a spiritual practice that starts to be exclusive and then their own racism and their own exclusivity then makes this community of a practice like quote unquote voodoo or, uh, you know, Santa Muerte magic or Santeria. They only let white people in because that's just who they're around. And then it becomes a white practice or a white circle. And so it, it, it is a very large issue. And I think the last thing I really have to say about it is that for the people who don't want to appropriate uh, and you're coming in respectfully, I really, you know, I want you guys to come to me. I want people to feel comfortable coming to me, even if they're not people of color, uh, even if they're straight males, because I am really a practitioner that believes that true equality and true, um, true peace can be achieved if there is enough redistribution of power. And if you let brown people and black people lead uh, the circles and the spaces. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, the best way to not appropriate is to let spirituality circles that are based around, you know, indigenous or black practices, indigenous or African or Asian practices, you know, non-Western stuff, let those spaces be you know, filled with dark brown and black people, because at the end of the day, colorism is everywhere. And so even myself, you know, I'm a light skinned Mexican girl. And, and I, you know, and I lead this faith in many ways. Uh, but I, you know, one of my biggest things with this is, is how do I put the darkest skinned people, the most marginalized people and the most left out people, the people who founded these religions and originated these religions? How do I 
uphold them? How do I bring them into the forefront? And that's one of my goals as a, you know, as an inspire, as an aspiring writer, uh, as a person who really hopes to spread her faith around the world in a way where it does really come from source. And yeah, just, you know, find for everyone, even people who don't do Santa Muerte, if you are a white person, be mindful of where you're taking up space and making money that could go into the hands of people of color because we're already marginalized and everything is already being taken from us because we're brown. You know, historically, brown women are the least paid people in the country. In fact, they're the ones most likely to not even be getting paid a living wage because they work in factories, because they work as housekeepers and they don't get paid. They don't have any protection. They don't have any insurance. And so that is why it's so vital to put wealth coming from spirituality and spiritual practices into the hands of brown and black people because we already don't have enough. And this is the space where we can and we will make more money and we deserve to do that. And we deserve to take up the space that we've always been denied and that we've been killed for. Absolutely. Valeria, thank you for that. And I, you brought up so many amazing points there, but ultimately I, I, I agree that there is, you know, space for spiritual practices to be inclusive on all sides, but also to benefit those who traditionally held those practices as well. Yep. So I have two more questions for you. I'm going to link these questions because they're really related. And it was funny because I was already thinking about how these two issues are related. And then you recently posted something on Instagram that connected them as well. So clearly we are, we are psychically connected after all. (laughs) I love this so much. I'm glad that you ended up contacting me because, you know, I'm just really happy to be uh, connecting to other witches, you know, y'all, if not to just plug myself in, but if you follow me, like I love commenting I, I really like meeting people and I really, I really try to answer questions on my comments. And so, you know, after you listen to this, if you care to follow me, or if you have a question, my email, the Mexican witch at gmail.com is pretty much always open to question. And then, you know, you have comments that you can, you can uh, really uh, get in depth with me here. So I, I really consider myself really accessible and take pride in that. So yay, I'm excited for more questions. Amazing. So I want to hear about your practice with Santa Muerte and your connection between that and what sounds like the views of an ardent feminist. I don't know if you identify that way, but definitely I see that thread in everything you share. Because you brought up a few really important points, and there are definitely things I've experienced living here in Mexico where a lot of the neighborhoods where Santa Muerte has a really strong devotional practice or ofrendas or chapels are the neighborhoods of Mexico City, like Tapito, that are traditionally viewed by pretty much everybody as, you know, worse areas, including the area where I live in. And because of that, you know, there are areas with more crime and a lot of people who are, and this is absolutely not a judgment, on crime, (laughs) but a lot of people who would be deemed by the system to be criminals actually worship Santa Muerte. And many of those people, like you mentioned, have created or have allowed sort of a stereotype around the practice to be established that it's, you know, Santa Muerte is only for, like you said, drug lords or traffickers, human and drug traffickers or whatever. So you recently posted something about how Santa Muerte doesn't tolerate your patriarchal bullshit and neither do I. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And, you know, you talked very frankly about the fact that, yes, there is definitely still a thread of machismo and um, the oppression of women amongst people who maybe are drawn to Santa Muerte practice. And you put that in stark contrast to what you view her energy is actually about. So I want to hear about how you connect Santa Muerte the real essence of who she is to you, to your views on women's rights, on the rights of oppressed groups, and how you reconcile the fact that, you know, there's sort of this, you know, I think this is a question that everybody has to reconcile, like we mentioned earlier, even in Catholicism, there are obviously people who practice Catholicism who are, you know, good and evil, 
although we talked at the beginning of the podcast about how those labels are difficult. So how do you connect Santa Muerte to feminism, to your views on oppressed individuals, and also to your views on ending body shame in spirituality, which you also talked about in that Instagram post? Oh my God, I love this question. First of all, what I want to say is that if I could tattoo the word feminist on my face, I would. Like, (laughs) I am that passionate about it. I... I tell everybody all the time that I am a big feminist and I think it's important for people to identify as such. I think that anybody who is not a feminist needs to uh, move to a different planet and stay there. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm in agreement personally. But <laughs> because to me, like to me being feminist is viewing the world from this you know, provided that you're practicing a definition of feminism that is centered around uplifting everybody and not leaving brown people at the bottom, you know, no whitewashed feminism. I think that this is essential to fixing our society. And so that's why I say I don't think anybody should be able to get away with not being a feminist, because what this means is you value women and you value then by an intersectional practice, you value queer people and you see them, and you are not violent against them. In my opinion, not being a feminist is violent. Now, not every person is going to be out there trying to kill women, but there are people out there trying to kill women. As long as those people exist, then I will continue to say everyone has to be a feminist. And I am very pro-brainwashing, in quotes, little children into being feminists. And so I really, really, you know, shout out to all the witches, all the people uh, that are moms, that are listening because I can't wait for your kids to be the next generation of feminist kids. And I'm so excited for little boys, particularly, you know, growing up to become men that respect women. And then I won't have to wear a t-shirt that says men are trash. So basically, I also really want to say that to me, being a witch, if you call yourself a witch, you are synonymously saying you are a feminist because of everything that is connected to witchcraft, nature, that is feminine, that is feminist, you know, Uh, agency over your body and loving your body and self-love and nudity and destigmatizing the body politics. That is all, that is all a big part of witchcraft because a lot of covens practice naked and a lot of really amazing secret rituals. For example, the uh, Gnostic mass they have a naked woman that they worship on an altar. And so that's why I really talk about body politics and, uh, you know, being positive about what you look like and accepting everybody because that is inherent to what I would say witchcraft genuinely is. And I also want to add one last thing in there, you know. So when I say that witch consciousness is a feminist one, a really interesting story and parallel we can look at here is how typically women who were witches actually really knew how to do herbal abortions, okay? This was something that was really big in Mexico and it was practiced by every single bruja. If you're a bruja or a curandera, a provider of a, you know, quote-unquote herbal medicine, you knew how to give people abortions and you knew how to do it safely. That is a practice that is being threatened in the U.S. And I want to say, yes, the feminist witches, we know how to do this still. And this has always been who we are. There's a reason why women got burned on the stake, because they were women who were loud and powerful, and they did not let men tell them what to do with their bodies. And these women got burned, and we are here to be what these women could not be, what these people could not be, because we are here to practice this spirituality to have agency, freedom, happiness, and basically this internal power that has been taken away from us by a certain, you know, lens of Christianity. And I'm really excited for how both feminist consciousness and witch consciousness is really just, it's so forward right now. Like we have literal Donald Trump talking about how he's scared of witches. We have, you know, uh, we have famous witches in the media. You know, for example, Erica Badu. Erica Badu is very out as a witch. And so is Lana Del Rey. 
Lana Del Rey is one of the people that organized the hex against Trump. And so I'm really excited because the last thing I will say about this feminist stuff and about just how we're, we're really leading the consciousness of the world. I think there are so many witches in the world right now and we are all so like-minded and we all so powerful. I really think that the macho patriarchy is squirming. We are stomping on these dudes. We are because we're so damn powerful and that's because we believe we have our power back. We don't let people take it from us and because we're out about our practices. And I'm so thankful that we can be at this level because I firmly, firmly believe that the witch-led political movement and the witch-led feminist movement is going to be very central in the liberation of, of our people and in, in how all of us can start to live in harmony and deep vibration with nature and with each other. Amazing. I love that you, well, I loved everything you just said, <laughs> but you brought a really good point about the connection between healing practices and mm-hmm. herbal abortion. And I think, I mean, a lot of people listening may not know that in Mexico, Mexico City is the only jurisdiction where abortion is legal. And that's only until 12 weeks. And three days ago, Oaxaca, the state of Oaxaca became the second jurisdiction to allow um, access to abortion, again, only up to 12 weeks. And for context, if you're those of you in the US who maybe don't know, depending on the state, you can receive a legal abortion in the US up until I think 20 weeks. So it's a really big difference, especially since many women don't even find out they're pregnant until they are you know, eight, 10 weeks sometimes. So I think it's really important that you made that connection because this, you know, this is especially in the U.S. right now where those rights are absolutely under attack and where that absolutely affects so many things, you know, related to economic progress and really the fundamental right, I believe, of us having a choice of how, especially as women, how to use our bodies and you talk about a lot in your Instagram posts, especially, you talk a lot about backlash you've received about around being, you know, body positive, around using, around, you know, using your body as a spiritual tool. And what is your connection to your practices as a witch, as a, as a uh, Santa Morte practitioner as well? What are your connections between that backlash you've received and what you see as your true spiritual presence on this earth? Mm. Well, oh, that's such a complex question. I love it. I know. that one. It wasn't a planned question. It just kind of came out. So it's a little roundabout. I apologize for that. No worries. So basically, (laughs) I'll just summarize what I heard. So what we were trying to address is how I feel about my greater connection in the world in terms of like body bashing and positivity and all that stuff. Right. Yes. Especially as a spiritual individual. Okay. Yes. Oh my God. I totally get the question now. So, and I'm so excited to answer, you know what? I really think that I am, you know, as a person who does spiritual work, I am here to help people heal this very important part of themselves, which is the sexual self and which is the, the divinity found in, uh, just being and existing and like not stigmatizing parts of your body that are sexual or your desires. And, and that is a larger part of why I think I do the work I do so that I can help people heal what I think is a very big trauma that we all have, you know, which is like how we can't that, you know, I still know a lot of people, you know, even if they're feminist, even if they're spiritual who have a hard time, including myself relating to their body in a healthy you know, way without stigmatizing it, you know, for example, there's still a lot of doctors out there who like really don't know how to talk about sexuality. And so in my opinion, my role is to kind of like really teach people and give people agency over, you know, to not shame themselves and to know that like everything related to their sexuality, and their sexual life is, is sacred, and then also isn't something that should be embarrassed about. And, you know, I really just think that, a part of that is reducing, you know, 
violence against women and reducing, you know, rape culture. That's a, a big, uh, a big, big reason why I talk about body positivity and agency as well, because I think a large part of it has to do with, you know, uh, you know, for example, it would be much better if we lived in a world where women like didn't feel like because they were asking for it, they got raped. You know what I mean? And so because of that, I think that's that's one of the many reasons I do this type of work. You know, I am a survivor of sexual assault uh, multiple times. You know, I've been ass assaulted more than once in my life. And uh, because and I've been I'm also a survivor of domestic violence. And so because of that, I think one of my larger, greater roles is to help people navigate that as well, uh, because sexuality and sexual positivity and body positivity, it intertwines with relationships and it intertwines with abuse culture and i really like helping people um you know develop the agency and the power to get removed from these situations and to really develop true self-love uh through through their own bodies and their own power if i could applaud i would but that's going to mess up the recording so i won't <laughs> thank you so much for your perspectives on that i feel like they're very refreshing and i really encourage everyone listening to examine the ways that they experience these same themes and how we can all really aim to create an environment where we're all accepted and not just accepted, but celebrated. So to close out, Valeria, please share with us what you're up to, where we can find you online and what your services are. If people would like to get in touch with you for a reading or any other type of session. Of course. Thank you for offering me the space to uh, say so. So I am a, I'm available to do tarot card readings and in-depth spiritual sessions where we work with your spirit guides and identify them and communicate to them in order to really get an insight into your life. And I, you know, I, I'm an intuitive reader. So I basically, I basically touch on any and every topic that people want to uh, talk about. And readings can be booked on my website, themexicanwitch.com. And I have my schedule there. I, I do my readings via video chat or phone call or in person if people live in New Orleans. And basically... You either go for a 30-minute or a one-hour session. And I do another type of reading that is special that's called Santa Muerte reading where we just do mentorship and we talk about her and we really see how we can build her into your spiritual practice and we pray together and write prayers. And that's another service that I offer. But besides that, pretty much, um, you know, Instagram at The Mexican Witch and uh, YouTube. I really, really... You know, I'm amping up the YouTube presence and my YouTube is also at The Mexican Witch, pretty much. Thank you. And I really encourage everyone listening to check out Valeria at The Mexican Witch on Instagram. I'm going to have as well as on her website and I'm going to have the links to everything she just mentioned in the show notes. So if you didn't catch the links the first time around, head to the show notes and find out more about Valeria. So thank you all so much for listening today. It was my intention that this episode is empowering and really makes you think about your place in the world as a spiritual individual, as a unique individual, and gives you the tools and the knowledge to really empower yourself and those around you. Because of course, magical practices are nothing, if, in my opinion, if they do not raise the vibration of everyone and elevate everybody to be at the same level. So thank you all so much for listening. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. To keep the episodes coming, click on the link in the show notes to support the show for as little as $1 a month. I am so grateful to have you as part of this movement. I'll see you soon.